the free for all roundtable. Round two. On round two, we say good morning to Adjua Insia Yabois of News Talk 1010 and CP24. Jamal Myers is a Toronto City Councillor and lawyer professor activist Pamela Palmiter is here as well. Let me start with the City Councillor because we are starting with the resignation of John Tory. 5 p.m. tomorrow, he ceases to be the mayor. Jamal Myers, was there any surprise on your part that the mayor followed through on this? Um, no, there wasn't any surprise on my part. Um, you know, the mayor is a very well-respected man. And he's a very honorable man. And when he gives his word, it's sincere. Um, despite what the chatter was among different people, um, the mayor was committed to, you know, making sure that the city was, you know, on the right track by seeing through the budget and also making sure that the office of the mayor was, you know, held to a high standard. And I think he did that by following through on his resignation. Adjua, I'm, I'm not surprised, but the finality of it all is uh, saddening, I guess. I mean, I wasn't very uh, hopeful this week that it was going to turn out that John Tory was going to take a leave of absence or he would withdraw his resignation. I just looked at the situation and everything we know about John Tory, and I thought, he's out of here. Yeah, I also agree with that. I, I, All of the hoopla leading up to it, I wasn't even here. I was in New York, and... I heard the buzzings of it. Somebody sent me a text saying that he had resigned. I didn't believe it. I thought it was a joke. So come to find we're over the weekend into the beginning of the week. And then there's all these people saying that maybe he's going to take a leave. All of that. I didn't think it was going to happen. And I'm happy that he, he stood by his word because what happened was not good. And he does need to just focus on his immediate family and figure out what he's going to do and let the city do what it needs to do and get back on its feet and not be... Um, surrounded in a circus that would have been if he did end up staying. I find myself wondering, though, Pamela Palmiter, John Tory has always lived in the public eye. I once heard a story about how on a Friday he looked at his calendar and there was not an event scheduled, and he said, find something. I mean, it's hard to figure out what this guy is going to do. Well, yeah, and obviously at the end of the day, Torontonians are probably more concerned less about what he's going to do now and more concerned about, okay, let's get on with business. We have a whole bunch of issues to deal with, yep. you know, whether it's healthcare, homelessness, you name it. And I think that should be the priority. Now the, the uh, show is over. So they say. Well, unfortunately, your line's breaking up a bit. Let's verify that while I ask Jamal Myers one more question. And that is, I don't know your way of thinking because I don't know you very well yet, but um, there was speculation yesterday, Jamal, that certain quarters of the, or, uh, you know, portions of council were going to try to resist the budget, introduce amendments, try to undo, maybe even force the mayor to use his uh, superpowers, which might have been embarrassing in the long run. Nothing ever happened. As Ed Keenan reports, it was business as usual. Yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, a testament to John Tory's leadership. Um, you know, he really does try to seek consensus. Uh, the mayor and I are often on different sides of a political issue, but he doesn't do, he doesn't um, berate your position or, you know, make you feel that you are necessarily wrong or that your position is invalid. It's just not the position that he happens to agree with. Um, and I think you saw that in the budget. I think the, the, the final vote to adopt the budget was uh, 25 to 1. Yep. And that just sort of shows you the consensus on city council. Uh, despite the fact that not everyone got what they wanted, there was, you know, things that we all want to see that weren't in the budget. 
But the fact that there was a lot of work that went on behind the scenes, and I really have to, you know, tip my hat off to not just the mayor and his staff, but Deputy Mayor, uh, soon to be Acting Mayor Jennifer McKelvey, Councillor Shelley Carroll, Councillor Paula Fletcher, and Councillor Amber Morley who really worked hard to get this over the finish line. Although I have to say, I think it was um, Paula Fletcher who pitched that uh, to the audience that everybody should do jazz hands if they wanted to approve of something. That didn't quite turn out. No, it didn't. It was very unfortunate. I mean, you know, I understand that people can feel like they're not being heard and they feel like they have to make a point, but it it crossed the line into disrespectful in that a lot of other people who had given up time out of their day who wanted to see the budget then had to leave because we had to clear the room and they were given several warnings about what was and what was not appropriate behavior uh and it was just very unfortunate and it delayed the proceedings by about three hours yeah about four hours we didn't actually start voting on the budget until two and we didn't finish until ten uh, Pamela Palmater, just before we go off to other topics, I wanted to ask you about dissent and protest because you are an activist. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I respect the importance of people objecting to things and being able to watch their administration proceed with transparency. But at the same time, yesterday was so unmanageable that we, the, the House couldn't do any business. But do you see that as a legitimate form of protest when you've been rendered largely voiceless? Of course, the whole purpose of protest is to disrupt, disrupt whatever it is that you're against, whatever you think that is illegal, whatever you think is dangerous to society. That doesn't mean bring out guns and shoot people. That's not what we're talking about. But definitely disrupt, delay, cause a nuisance, civil disobedience. I mean, that's been the purpose of it since its inception. Uh, parents um, staged a fairly stormy meeting last night. I guess it was all about stormy assemblages yesterday at the Halton School Board. What they're upset about is this business of a teacher who appeared in a shop class with large prosthetic breasts. And what the parents are arguing is that the board just hasn't done anything about this and it wouldn't be hard to do something about it. And yet the board keeps on thinking about it. Yeah, something needs to actually be done, because at the end of the day, um, I know the board is afraid that if they institute any sort of uh, dress code, they feel that's going to infringe against somebody's personal rights. But there's something has to be done because this has really nothing to do with the transgender issues. It really has to do with not being maybe over sexualized in a classroom, wearing prosthetic breasts and all of that. I agree. Everybody has a right to live the way they want to live. But when it comes to uh, being in public uh, and your form of dress, there has to be some sort of dress code, especially in the schools. Kids have a dress code. So teachers should as well. This is it's just dragged on for too long. And it's allowed a narrative by people who are anti-trans to say all these other negative things that have nothing to do with transgender issues and have more to do with maybe the issues of this teacher that's in front of these students. So. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something needs to be done. Although, Pamela, for many, it comes down to the notion that you can't tell somebody who they are or how they should comport themselves. Mind you, I also think that schools should be petty dictatorships. <laughs> I don't know about petty dictatorships, but for sure, there's there's got to be a balance and there's got to be fairness. Obviously, um, 
school dress codes have been starting to be controversial and have been, you know, for some time. But I think at the end of the day, you really have to look at balance everyone's interests, everyone's rights, and keep in mind that, you know, what whatever is good for students has to be good for the teachers there, you know, they're supposed to be leading. So if there's a dress, you know, a dress code of any kind, I mean, people aren't allowed to show up naked to school, for example, as kids or as teachers. And so the rules have to be the rules for everyone. However, that comes out while balancing everyone's human rights. Okay. I want to get to a few other stories and the clock's a ticking here. Uh, yesterday, Doug Ford got kind of shirty when he was asked about his daughter's stag and doe party. This for People, you know, I mean, for Ontarians, apparently this is a matter of routine, but I'm the second person who was not raised here who had never heard of them until he got here. Uh, But basically, you buy a ticket, in this case for $150, and you go to a party, and the money goes toward paying for the wedding. Jamal Myers, I think the questions can be legitimately asked. Um, If Doug Ford wants to defend himself, he can. But whenever his voice goes up an octave, I always think that the reporters are getting under his skin. Yeah, so, you know, this is a case where it clearly does not meet the standards of the public smell test. Does this look right, having developers at your kids' um, stag and doe party uh, paying for their wedding? I mean, and it might be totally innocent, but you also have to remember uh, public perception matters. And when decisions are made around uh, development issues, whether they're, you know, things such as developing on the green belt are the changes in Bill 23, uh, which gets rid of development charges, which funds a lot of the infrastructure in the city. And, you know, a lot of these developers have been uh, large contributors to the PC government. It just does not, you know, give the public a lot of confidence that the decisions being made are in the public interest. Adjua, the Premier is normally a fairly avuncular fellow, but he was obviously tensing up yesterday under questioning. Uh, yeah, he was, and you could you could see the voice, how the how his voice raised, and and how he was a little bit annoyed uh, by the questions that were being asked. And he just he had that whole statement where he said, "Families are off limits." I didn't realize that when it comes to my family, that's not the same way. But when you have relationships um, with people within the real estate sector and the building sector, and it's involving something that affects all of Ontarians. You have to be aware that reporters are going to do their job and they're going to ask that questions when things look suspect, whether they are or not, that's going to come to your front door. So he should not have been surprised by this. If he wanted everything to just be black and white, he should have just been very transparent just about everything. And then he wouldn't be living through this experience, feeling that the media is coming for him, which they're not. They're just doing their job. Thanks a lot to all three of you. Jamal Myers, City Councilor, City of Toronto, Traffic Specialist, Adjua Sia Yabois, and Pamela Palmiter, who is a lawyer and activist. And uh, that's our time. And yes, Nick Marano, you're absolutely right. The expression he used was tickety-boo, which, you know, somebody asked me if I was going to say 23 skidoo. It just sounds a little old, a little arcane. Everything's going tickety-boo in Toronto. And hey, Doug, you live in Toronto. You know things aren't tickety-boo in this town. Keep it right here for the finest talk radio in all of Canada. Right after the news, Jerry Igar takes the mic, and I'll be back tomorrow morning. Is it already going to be a sweet, sweet Friday? Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.